happy Mother's Day. It's my privilege to be able to welcome you to the worship of Parker Memorial Baptist Church on this wonderful Mother's Day. Once again, we're not able to gather as a congregation, but we're gathering as the family of God online by way of television. We're all still a part of God's family. And as we have our worship service today, especially the preaching of God's Word, we felt like it would be appropriate to have a change of venue. And so we're having this message to be preached in the parlor of the worship center and the sanctuary. And I don't know about you if you know the history of our church, but, you know, whenever the church first started, it started as Second Baptist Church at the Opera House and then quickly moved to here at the corner of 12th and Quintard. And it was 12th Street Baptist Church. And the first building is this position where we are right now. The parlor and the basement area below the parlor. This was the very first church, 12th Street, which eventually became Park Memorial Baptist Church. And then the sanctuary was built onto it. So what an appropriate place for us to be able to have our Mother's Day service and to be able to commemorate this wonderful time in the life of our fellowship and and what mothers mean to us here in this beautiful parlor. And so we welcome you to worship. I hope and pray that you join in the singing, fill that place where you are with the adoration of the Lord, and, and then take your Bible and get ready because we're going to study God's Word together. This being Mother's Day, I want to do something special. So I ask our staff, if they would, to give two-minute testimonies about their moms and how their moms influenced them. And so I want to be the one who gets to kick off this opportunity of talking about our moms. I want to introduce you to my, my mom. This is Opal Amos. Yes, her name was Opal, and she was very much a gem. I love my mom, and, and I miss her greatly because uh, she went to be with the Lord about 14 years ago. And so I've had 14 Mother's Days without her, and I miss her. But I so much appreciate my mom. My mom was a person who helped to show us unconditional love. I never had a problem understanding when it talked about that God would love us with eternal love and unconditional love because I saw that in my mother. I saw her be willing to sacrifice, be willing to go with very little so that her children could have more. And because of that, it was so easy for me to understand that there could actually be a God who would care about me enough that He would sacrifice His Son that I might be able to live. I think about many things that my mother taught me the things that she said, but also how she lived. She wasn't a person who was highly educated, but she was one of the smartest people that you'll ever meet, one of the most excellent business people you ever have, and she was a great partner with my dad in all of his work and all of his business. But she always knew how to give of her resources to bless the kingdom of God. She was faithful to tithe day in and day out, which instilled in me the importance of doing that as well. She was faithful in her service to the church. She did not send us to church. She carried us to church. And she sat there each time and taught us and helped us to understand and to listen to God's Word. I cannot say in my heart how grateful I am to my mom and the fact that she gave me an example, gave me everything that I needed, and far beyond that, to be the man of God that I am. And I just want to take this time to introduce her to you and to say thank you, Mom. For all that you meant to me. My mom, Jackie Gober, was a very special lady. She loved us more than we could ever imagine. She had this gift of taking just everyday things 
and turn them to where she could teach us spiritual truths and, and, and God truths just in everyday things that we did. She was a funny lady, had a dry sense of humor, but always had a smile for someone. When I was young, about 10 years old, my best friend, his name was Anthony. His dad was our pastor and his mom had died about three years prior. And Anthony would come home with us on weekends sometimes, spend the night and we'd, uh, he'd go to church with us and he'd, then he'd go home. And Anthony had asthma quite a bit. Well, mom had asthma when she was growing up as well. And there was one night, Anthony and I were asleep in my bedroom and I woke up the next morning and Anthony was not there. He had had a severe asthma attack during the night. And I got up and went into the den and there was my mom with Anthony in her lap asleep. She had rocked him all night long. My mom never said a word to me about that, but that made an impression on me that I will never, ever forget. My mom cared enough about my friend to give her entire night's sleep to make sure he was comfortable and he was safe because she knew he didn't have his mom anymore. Mom, you've been gone now for several years, but you still, I still think of things when I was growing up, how you made an incredible impression on me, how you guided me all through my life, how you've supported me in what God was calling me to do. Mom, I love you then, I love you now. And to be honest, Mom, I can't wait to see you again. Thank you for being my mom. Her name is June. Our mama June, some people called her Miss Vines. The grandchildren called her Nanny, but I just called her Mom. My mom was the bravest, the strongest. She was so kind and so sweet. She was kind of close to perfect. Even though Mom's not here now with me, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about her or think about the funny things that she says. She was technically my best friend. I miss her every day. I'm the youngest of four girls, and my mom was a spiritual leader of our household. I remember every Saturday for years, her ironing our dresses or shining our shoes and getting us ready for church the next day. Every time those church doors opened, we were at church, and my mom made sure of that. Every day, I always think of different things she might say. And, and, and being the youngest of four girls, yes, my mom had four girls. I think about all the things that she must have gone through, all the, all the football things that she did for us, all the cheerleading, all the pageants, all the boys, all the breakups, all the piano lessons. And did I mention the boys and the breakups? My mom was always there for everything. And now that I have children my own, I don't know how she, she put up with all four of us. And then there were weddings, four weddings. She was a remarkable woman. She was, she was my Mary and my Martha. She had a Mary's heart, but she was so much of a Martha. She took care of us. I miss her every day. And um, just, just I have these memories that I can hold on to. And I just miss her, but I have the hope and peace. I know where my mom is. I know she's happy. I'll never understand why she left this earth with cancer, but I know where she is and I know she's watching over me. And um, I just want to say happy Mother's Day, Mom. And I know you're, good, you're having the best Mother's Day ever. Love you. 
I've been asked to say something about my mother, and uh, so this is for mom and about my mom. Uh, Her name is Margaret Ann Polk, but everybody knows her as Peggy. But to me and my two sisters, Deanna and Jana, we just know her as mom, and we love her dearly. Um, She is sweet and wonderful and kind and caring. And I say that with this in mind. I've been thinking about Mother's Day and the Proverbs 31 woman. And in the scriptures, that woman is praised not just for what she did, but for her character. And there's much about my mom that's praiseworthy that I could share with you. But I would just share with you a few things. Um, She taught me so much about what my character should be and what I should value. Um, Particularly, she was an example in several ways. First of all, she loved her family. Um, She loved us. I mean, even when she had to discipline us, she loved us. We knew she loved us. We were so grateful for her in that regard. Um, But she was an example also because she loved the Word of God and she loved the Lord. Every morning she would get ready and all around her mirror, she'd have scripture memory verses. She was always reading the Word. She was always studying the Word. And she loved her church. And I have no doubt that that impacted me as well. I grew up in a home that loved the Lord and loved the church. Um, And my mom was a, a wonderful example to me and to my whole family. Mom, I love you. I thank you. And happy Mother's Day. Mother's Day to my mother. I love my mama. She's always been just probably my best friend. Always, always has been. She loves Jesus. She loves church. She loves Dairy Queen. And, uh, but my mom's a lighthearted person, just full of joy and loves to joke and love to hear her laugh. And, uh, I thank my mother for, uh, above everything else, I thank her for being the godly example that she still is to this day. I'm blessed to still have her. I call her, you know, sometimes when I'm a little concerned about things. And she always points me back to Jesus. I got saved at 25 years old. Uh, and watching my mother's influence and how she just portrayed herself when times were tough and hard situations. And uh, I just heard hope in her heart, and that was Jesus. And I thought of her the day that I gave my life to Christ. She's the first one that I called. Uh, all, All the way back in Texas, I called her from Alabama and said, here's what I decided to do today. I've given my life to the Lord. She was so happy and so joyous. And I thank God for her, eternally thankful for my mom who pointed me to Christ and just lived a godly example in front of me and so blessed to call her my mother, my sister in the Lord, and to call her my friend. So happy Mother's Day. I love you, Mom. Thank God for you. This is my mother, Mary Catherine Wells Till, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to share with you about her. She was one classy lady who loved the Lord and loved her family dearly. She was humble in spirit. She was slow to speak. She was, she was always a good listener. And she was very slow to anger. She was a perfect pastor's wife. 
I have a funny story to share with you about my mom. My dad always took care of everything, and she, one day after he passed away, had to go to the bank and was very nervous about that trip to the bank. And when she got there, she sat down and was waiting to be taken care of, and while she was sitting there, people started pointing at her. The tellers were looking over at her and pointing, and and then before she knew it, men were coming out of their offices, and they were looking and whispering, and she didn't know what she had done wrong, and she... Um, she was about to leave. She was about ready to get up and, and get out of there. And one of the gentlemen walked over to her and said, can I take your picture? You look exactly like Barbara Bush. Well, she did during those years. She had the most beautiful white, white hair and she carried herself with such dignity and, and, and style. Um, she was quite a lady. She was also very fun. Mother loved to play games. She, anything that kept score, she was all about it. She, she was very competitive. Um, my mother was very talented as well. She was a smart lady, very creative and loved crafting. Many wonderful qualities my mother possessed. I love and miss my mother very much, but so thankful for her and the life lessons she not only taught, but she lived. <clears throat> she taught She taught all of us that in everything we do, measure it up by what the Bible says is pleasing to God. Place God first in our lives. Strive to be like Jesus. Family is second in everything else falls below those two things. I am so thankful for her and my daddy and their example that is being passed on to the future generations. One of the funniest stories that my mom loves to tell about me is when I was in first grade, it was parents' night. She showed up in the classroom and she said around the room were, were pictures that the students had colored all over the place and she walked around and she couldn't find mine until she walked over into this little offset area, little cubby area, and there on the wall was hanging my great masterpiece a bright yellow stop sign. My mom knew at an early age I was not going to be an artist. But you know, my mom has been such a great influence in my life. There are two things that stick out to me. First of all, her love. My mom is the most loving, caring person that you'll ever meet. Her unconditional love for me, I've never, ever doubted. And her love for God has always been evident in her life. But my mom is also a prayer warrior. And that prayer has been, been so impactful in my life. I remember as a 15-year-old kid walking down the hall and hearing my mom talking. Her door was shut. I knew no one else was in there. So as a curious teenager, I stuck my ear up to the door and I heard my mom praying. And she was praying about me. And as a 15-year-old kid, it made me angry. It made me angry because, you see, I was lost. And about three and a half years after that fact, I accepted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior when I was in college. And as I look back, I realize that my mom's prayer was what was influencing me and made a difference in me accepting Christ. And as I look back, I am so thankful that I have a mom that loves me so much that she talks to God about me every day. I love you, Mom, and I'm so thankful that you've taught me what real love is and what real prayer is. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to turn them to the Gospel of John, chapter 3, and we'll be dealing with that passage in just a few minutes. 
But this being Mother's Day, first of all, I want to express my appreciation to each and every one of you mothers. We love you. We care for you. We appreciate you so very, very much. And for those mothers who make up the Parker Memorial family, we hope you have a wonderful and glorious day with your family and just knowing that you're loved and cared for. If you're not a part of the Parker family, we appreciate you joining with us today. And we're going to be talking about mothers and how mothers relate to the church and the church relates to the responsibility of mothers. I, as I began to pray about what this service would be about and as we'd focus on mothers, God impressed on my heart about the relationship that it says that Christ has, the Lord Jesus has, with the church. If you remember in the Revelation, both in Revelation chapter 19 and in Revelation 21, it tells us that the church, those who are the believers in Christ, are the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. It says in verse 2 of chapter 21 of Revelation, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from, from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Later in that same chapter, in verse 9, it says, And one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls full of seven last plagues, came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And almost everyone knows as they study God's Word that whenever we talk about the bride of Christ, we talk about the church of the living God. He is the one who established that bride. The church came into existence because Jesus birthed it into existence and He was the chief cornerstone. And that church will stay into existence until He comes and raptures the church out of this world. And there's this unique relationship between Jesus and the church. It says that the church is the bride of Christ. But not only does it say in the Word of God that the church is the bride of Christ, also when the Apostle Paul is speaking about the relationship between a husband and a wife, he goes and describes that the relationship between Christ and the church is that Jesus is like the husband and the wife and the church is like the wife. And he, matter of fact, says, you need to treat your wives, men, like Jesus treated the church and laid down his life for the church. And then he speaks to the women and says, you need to be subjected to your husband and subject and submissive to your husband, just as the church is submissive to her husband, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you get in your mind, when the Bible pictures the relationship between Jesus and the church, it pictures Jesus as the bridegroom who waits for the bride, the church. And then it pictures him as the husband who is in relationship with his wife, the church. And there is this unique relationship between Jesus and the church. Well, if you take that a step further, then you realize that not only is the church the bride of Christ and the wife of Christ... But when it comes to the work of the ministry of God and the extension of the kingdom of God, actually the church takes on the role of being the mother. The mother in that relationship to bring other people into a relationship with Christ. That's why I want you to focus in John chapter 3. John chapter 3 is where Nicodemus comes to talk to Jesus. And very early in Jesus' life, Nicodemus asked a very important question. And that question is, how can a person 
have eternal life. How can a person go to heaven? And Jesus answers him and he tells him this. He says, truly, truly, in verse 3, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Nicodemus asked that question, how can I have a relationship with God? You must be born again. Obviously, Nicodemus says, well, a man can't enter a second time into his mother's womb. How can a man be born again? And Jesus says, he must be just as he was born physically. He must be birthed and born spiritually. Now, as Jesus walked here, he knew that he was the way, the truth, and the light. Jesus knew that he was the one who would birth people into a spiritual relationship with God. That it was going to be what Christ did on the cross that would enable people to have a spiritual birth and to live forever in a place called heaven. Jesus knew that. But also Jesus knew that he was only going to be here for a short period of time. Three years of ministry. He dies on a cross. He's, he's resurrected. He spends about 40 days revealing himself to his disciples and those who believe in him. And then he ascends to the Father and he is not returning until it is the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ, which we are still yet to experience. So Jesus knew that to be born again was something that he would have to do and that would have to happen spiritually in, in a person's life. But Jesus was not going to be here. So who would it be that would carry out this work of seeing people born again? Who would carry out this work of, of birthing people into the kingdom of God, of giving them an opportunity of becoming a child of God? Whose responsibility would that be? Well, Jesus makes it very clear in his word that that responsibility falls upon the church. The church of Christ is the means whereby people could be born again, whereby they become a part of the family of God. How they have the right to become a child of God through the ministry of the church of Jesus Christ. That was how they would be birthed into the kingdom. So when you think about that, the church is not only the bride of Christ and, and the wife of Christ, but also church is the means whereby it becomes the mother of all of those who are born again, who have believed in the Son of God. Therefore, the church has responsibility, much like a mother has responsibility to her own children. As we are the, the feet and the hands and the life of Christ here in this world today, waiting for his return, we have responsibilities before God and responsibilities to this world and to people of being what we're supposed to be so that people can both be birthed into the kingdom of God and grow in their relationship to God. 
So I want to simply take five principles, five things that a mother does in relationship to her children and share with you that the church should do those same five things in relationship to the people who come to Christ and who walk in Christ and who are part of the family of God. So let's look at each one of those. The first thing that I want you to see about a mother is a mother is the one whereby a person is birthed in to the world. None of us men have had a child. Oh, we played our part, but it's the mother who gives birth to that child. She is the one through whom that life is brought forth and that life is given. So a mother's first responsibility is to birth children into this world, children into her family. Well, isn't that the role and the responsibility of the church of God today? Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we are called to be the means and the wherewithal that a person has an opportunity to have a relationship with holy God. That's why whenever Jesus was leaving, he gave the great commission and he told us that we were to, as the church, to go forth making disciples. That's why in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as he is ascending to the Father, he says, And you shall be my witnesses, talking about those disciples, but more importantly, talking about the church of God. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. You shall be my witnesses. And being a witness for Christ and being disciple makers for Christ, it says that the church's responsibility is to share the gospel of Christ, whereby somebody would be convicted in their heart of their sin, and they would have this longing and desire within their spirit to be birthed into the kingdom of God and to become a child of God. And through the ministry of the church, that church that's filled with the spirit of God, that church that has a unique relationship with the Son of God, who is empowered by the presence of God, it's the church of God that births people into the kingdom of God. Just as a mother is unique in the fact that she births her children into the world, so we as the church of God, we have the responsibility of birthing people into the family of God. Oh, the Lord Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. The Lord Jesus is waiting till he is going to come with the rapture of the church and the second coming. The Lord Jesus is ready for that. But right now he has empowered his church and he has commissioned his church to be about the business of seeing people born again. Not born just of the flesh, but born of the spirit of God. And the calling of the church, the first responsibility of the church is to birth people into God's kingdom. But there's a second responsibility, though, that a mother has. And that is that once a child is born to her and she has that infant, that preschooler in her arms and she holds it, she is the primary source of nurturing her child. To nurture her child, especially teaching them about the unconditional love that she has for them and the trust that they can have in her. 
See, the most important thing that a preschooler learns and a, an infant will learn is that there, is, there are people who love him or her and that they can trust in him or her. That's, that's the primary responsibility that a mother has to build that foundation of love and trust. But wait a minute. That's exactly the responsibility we have as the church of the living God. We have the responsibility to, to teach our children and those who are new to the kingdom of God, whether they be children or adults, we're to teach them that they are loved unconditionally and that they can trust both God and His Word. And how do we do that? Just like a mother or just like a preschool teacher would teach that preschooler, you can love and trust me. See, one of the highest callings that a person has is to be a, in, in the church is to be a, a preschool teacher. Now, that sounds funny. Some people think, well, being an adult teacher is far more important, but that's not true. The foundation upon which all is taught in those youth and adult years is, is based on the foundation of what they learned when they were preschoolers. And what we ask our preschool teachers to do is to make sure that you love those children and they know that you always love them and, and to make sure that they can trust you, that what you say you will do, that you will do and, and that they'll know that trust is something that they can have in you so that eventually they'll be able to understand the love of God and that they can trust God. A mother who does her job takes that infant in that preschooler and builds within them this unconditional love and this trust, which is the foundation of what life is going to be about and how successful they're going to be in life. That's what the church is to do. The unconditional love, the trust of God, the trust of His Word, to build that into the lives of people who have been birthed into the kingdom of God. How do we do that, church? Well, one thing is you love each other. We're called to love each other. Jesus said the, the thing that marks the church, the, the thing that identifies my disciple more than anything else is that you have love for one another and that you would trust the word of God and believe the word of God, that it's the promises of God and that whatsoever God promises that he will do. One of the first things that would happen when somebody's birthed into the kingdom of God is they would learn to love and trust that they're going to need to grow in their relationship with God just as that mother teaches that infant and that preschooler that she cares about something they're going to need to know for them to grow and to be successful in their lives. But there's a third thing. The third thing that a mother needs to do is to equip and to train teaching her children that they can be ready and prepared for life. That they can be prepared for life and life indeed and that they would have everything that is needed for them to be successful and productive in their life. So she has to be the, the teacher. She has to be the equipper. She has to be the one who facilitates everything they need so that they can move into life and be successful in what they're doing. It's not enough for her just to teach them as they were preschoolers to love and trust she has to be a part of making sure they have everything they need to be equipped and to learn the knowledge they will need to be successful. Well, isn't that exactly what the Lord Jesus said is the responsibility of the church? Isn't that exactly what Jesus said was the responsibility of his disciples who were the church 
when he said there in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 and following, he, he says that you're to make disciples of all nations, teaching them, teaching them whatsoever I have commanded you. See, the responsibility was to teach them that they would have everything and know everything that Jesus taught his original disciples so that they could be equipped and productive in life. And, and that's the responsibility of the church. I, I mean, whenever we have the preaching services, such as we're having right now online, and, and hopefully soon to have it back in a congregational setting, but the, the teaching or the preaching of God's Word is to equip us for life, is to give us all that we need in knowledge, all that we need in, in understanding, all that we need in a pattern of life that we might be successful in what we do, that, that we might be blessed in what we do. And, and so the preaching of God's Word is, is teaching. The preaching of God's Word is equipping, but that's not all. If you're a member of a Baptist church, if there's one thing that we hold dear, it is the Word of God. And that's why everything we do, we try to build it upon the Word of God. That's why Sunday school is so very important to us because it's small groups getting together and building their lives with one another around the Word of God. It's not just fellowship, it's learning the Word of God. Because see, this Word that God gives to us, this Word that God blesses us with, provides everything we need. It says in, in Timothy, when Paul wrote to Timothy, it provides everything we need for life and godliness. It provides us everything we need to be successful in this life. And the church has responsibility. It's not just enough for the church to birth someone into the kingdom of God. It, it's not enough just for the church to teach somebody that God loves them unconditionally and the word of God is true. But we have the responsibility to teach, equip, and what is Jesus' favorite word, to disciple. To disciple those believers, those new members of the family of God into being what they ought to be. For see, discipling is far more than just sharing of information. It's sharing with you the way to walk. It's far more than just giving a book to read or going through a particular passage. It's living and learning how to live the Christian life. And, and people don't understand that, that, that there are certain things that are learned by reading in a book and there are other things that are better learned by doing it with someone who already knows how to do it. I've asked people before, would you rather read instructions about how to learn to tie a shoe? Or would you rather your friend or your family member take your hands and go step by step in helping you to learn to tie a shoe? Well, I don't know what your experience was. I didn't have to read it in a book. I don't think I ever could have read it in a book and comprehended it enough to do it. But rather, my dad took my hands and helped me know how to form the bow and to tie the shoe. And that was kind of challenging for us because he was right-handed and I was left-handed. And so he had to do it backwards so I could finally get it using my dominant hand. But I would have never learned how to do that if I would have just had to read it in a book. I asked people, whenever you, you rode a bicycle, did you, did you learn how to ride a bicycle by reading a book? No. 
Probably had somebody, your dad or somebody, took the training wheels off, pushed you, and told you how to do it, and helped you how to learn it. See, discipleship is much the same way. There are certain things you can learn by reading a book. There are other things you need somebody to teach you how to do it and to give you the opportunity to walk with them and to experience what they experience. That's the way Jesus taught his disciples. He didn't just give them the book, even though he provided them a glorious book. But rather, he walked with them for three years and they saw what he did and how he lived. And he was teaching them and equipping them and discipling them for life. That's the call of the church. The call of the church is, is to be disciple makers. The call of the church is to disciple that person that they would be prepared for life. So the role of the mother is to birth one into this world and to nurture them and love and trust and to teach and equip them that they'd be productive and successful in life. Exactly what the church is called to do, to birth people into the kingdom of God, to teach them and nurture them about the things of God, such as the unconditional love of God and the trustworthiness of His Word but also to equip them and to disciple them and nurture them that they would be successful in life. But there's a fourth thing a mother has to do. It's probably one of the more difficult things that a mother and father have in life. And that is there comes a time when they have to let them go. <laughs> there comes a time whenever they have to open up their hands and let them go, let them spread their wings, let them fly. Let them go about and actually live life and to do what God called them to do. I know that that's difficult. It's difficult for a mother, especially for she has spent her whole life keeping her children under her wing, protecting them, watching over them. And she is the safeguard of their soul. And now to have to open up her arms and say, you can go. To open up her arms and bless them as they begin to make those trek and those steps towards life. And they're going to have problems and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to skin their knee and going to bump their head. That's what life's all about. For we all have scars to show what it was like when we left the nest the first time. But a mother has to be willing to do that. If, if she is going to be successful, she has to be willing to let them go. Matter of fact, if someone resists letting them go, it will be a hindrance to the walk and journey that that child will have in relationship to the world. It's what it says in, in the Word of God where it talks about that, that children are the eras and that we place them in the bow. And in order for them to be successful, we have to pull back the bow, but we have to let the bow go in order for the arrow to fly and to reach its target. Well, our children are those arrows, and we are the ones who have to let them go. It's difficult, it's hard, but that's what life's about, letting them become the people they're supposed to be, do the things that they're supposed to do. Well, the church is exactly the same way. Well, we have nurtured them, we taught them, we equipped them, we made them ready for life. But we have to let them go. We have to encourage people that it's not just to sit here and simmer. It's not here just to sit here and meet. But, but there's something God has for each of us to do. And we're to discover what that is and to go forth and to do that work of God. Not that they would just join us, but they themselves would go do that work of God.
A wonderful example of that in Scripture would be the Apostle Paul. For the Apostle Paul, he discipled many, many people and many of the of the pastors of the churches where he had done mission work. And those pastors, those churches were were men he discipled, that he nurtured, that he taught, that he equipped about life. But then he let them go. You see that whenever you read the pastoral epistles of Timothy and Titus. You, you see when Paul is writing to those young men who are now pastoring probably their first church and he's sharing with them, he's helping them and sharing with them the things that they are doing and the things that are successful, the things they may need to correct, but he's letting them go. He's letting them grow. And I'm sure there was a point of being nervous to turn over this church that he had established to a young pastor. I'm sure he was nervous about his young disciples, whether or not they were ready and were going to be successful. But he still let them go. And God blessed their ministries and God blessed their work. And God expanded the kingdom because the Apostle Paul, once he did his work, he knew he must let them go. He must let them go. And he did. Well, friend, that's what the church is all about. We are not to bring people and, and, and the success of the church is, is not to just gather more and more and more, but rather it is to gather people that we would send more and more. That more and more people would be involved in life and in impacting life and in expanding the kingdom of God and doing ministry and doing work and helping others. It is letting them go. We must have that revived in our hearts, in our life. We must have that revived within our spirit that that's the call of the church. And we must encourage more and more people to go. We want you to go. We want you to live life to the fullest and be all God called on you to be. Well, there's a final thing that a mother will do, though, for her children. Not only does she birth them, nurture them, teach them, and finally let them go, but she is going to take on the role of cheerleader. That's really what happens. You take on the role of cheerleader where you begin to celebrate the victories. You celebrate the victories, the accomplishments. You encourage them along the way. You're there as the person who is expecting and anticipating and enjoying all that they are accomplishing. But not only as cheerleader, but also as one who is open and honest with them and helpful them in every way they can. Not as being the one who's over them now, but as one who's a friend who stands alongside of them to help them to see things as they ought to see them. Well, every mother has that role. And man, it's a lot more fun being a cheerleader than just have to take them alongside. But all of us know that mother had to do that. My mom had to do that. My mom was the one who would be clapping her hands the loudest, but also my mom knew me well enough and loved me enough. She could take me alongside and, and help to correct me some way so that I would be successful. Not as though the one who's my authority, not as the one who dictates what I have to do, but as my friend and someone who loves me and cares for me and who comes alongside to help me to see what I need to see, correct what I need to correct so that she can cheer for me once again. That's what a mom does. It's also what the church of the living God does. <laughs> the church of the living God should be encouraging and cheerleading for all those people who are out there from our churches who are working we don't need to be 
overly critical of them. We need to be cheering them on to do what they ought to do and, and, and blessing them whenever they're successful. Much like the Apostle Paul, whenever he would talk to his young disciples, he would give to them all kinds of blessings and all kinds of words of encouragement and compliments. But then he also would take them alongside and say, well, it might help you to do this, or this might be a blessing to somebody else, or this might be a better way to do that. The Apostle Paul is a wonderful example to us of what it means to be that cheerleader and that corrector. And the church of the living God has that responsibility today. Just like a mother. For see, the Lord Jesus, who is there on his throne, watches his church, his bride, birth people into the kingdom, nurture them, equip them, send them out, and cheer them on. And that's exciting to Jesus. Because the church is doing what the church was called to do. And one day there's going to be a glorious celebration. One day there's going to be a gathering of all the family of God. One day there's going to be the Jesus coming to the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. One day he's coming off of that throne and he's going to make all things new. But until that time, we as the church of God are called to be mothering this world and bringing people to the kingdom of God. I hope you were blessed to have an outstanding mother like I was. I hope that she was a wonderful example of each and every one of those things we just talked about. And if you were able to see her, then you know what I'm talking about. And it also serves as a great example of what the church is supposed to be about. And our challenge is, do what a mother does. Do that in relationship to the family of God. Do each and every one of those things. And God will be honored and the church will be blessed, and the church will expand. Friend, could I ask you, as a child of God, birthed into the family of God, have you been nurtured by the church? I hope so. Are you being equipped by the church? Boy, I pray so. Have you been sent out by the church? I'm praying for it. And do you sense that somebody is cheerleading you along the way? That's our goal. So, child of God, move out there. Move out there and be what God wants you to be, knowing that the church is there to mother you and that we're going to do the best we can to mother you. Friend, if you're listening today and you've never given your heart to Christ, let me share with you that the number one thing, the most important thing that the church does is to birth people into the kingdom of God. And you come into the kingdom of God because you put your faith and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. You believe that he died on that cross to pay the price for your sin. And you ask him to forgive you of your sin and come into your heart and your life. And you will become a child of God. And what a great joy that is when we as the church see somebody new born into the kingdom of God. And may we then do all that we're supposed to do in nurturing you, equipping you, sending you out and blessing you in life. Whether a believer or an unbeliever, the invitation today is for you to respond to God's call, respond to God's word, and to allow the kingdom of God to advance because we've been obedient to him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you 
for the truth of your word. And I thank you for the challenge that we have when we see what a mother's like, see what a mother does, realizing that the church today is to be the mother to this world and the mother to the family of God and to be all that we need to be just as Jesus is called. And I pray today that we'd be thankful for our earthly mothers, but we're thankful for the church who's been our spiritual mother to help us to grow in Christ, to go out in Christ, and to walk pleasing to you in every way. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.